You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Wednesday edition. We've got some overflow questions from yesterday's show, some of your tweets. There were some good ones that we didn't get a chance to hit on Tuesday, so we'll cover those today, some new coaching hires, some potential head coach hires around the NFL, and some more former Texans going in on Houston and telling Deshaun Watson to stand strong if he wants out. Mm. So that one, uh, that storyline is is continuing to heat up around the NFL. We definitely are going to be covering that, I have a feeling, quite a bit all off-season long. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. Did you see the latest comments from some former Texans players, Matt, on uh, the Houston organization? I just know basically what you just introed there, that they're kind of on Deshaun's side. I, what exactly was said? Okay, here is Andre Johnson on Twitter. He said, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The, Texas, the Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in or for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic. Then, wow. former Houston Te- another former Houston Texans wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, quote tweeted Andre Johnson's comments and said, when Dre speak, listen. So uh, <laughs> he, wow. he's, he's co-signing on everything Andre Johnson says there and advising Deshaun Watson that there maybe is some uh, some greener pastures outside of Houston potentially telling him to stand strong. What are your thoughts there when you hear those things? And it's not super surprising DeAndre Hopkins would have that to say. Uh, and it's probably still um, a sore spot for him. He's He's been gone less than a year there from Houston. But Andre Johnson, I did not expect that one. Right, right. I mean, First off, I like the conversation of who's the best Texans receiver ever between those two. Yeah. Pretty good conversation. But, um, you know, Hopkins is a little more outspoken of the two. You never heard much of a rumblings from Andre Johnson. He was always a good soldier, kept his hand, head down, you know, played hard, but was never outspoken negatively against the team. But, you know, the ultimate all-time Texan, J.J. Watt, was very vocal mm-hmm. and very obviously not happy with the organization this year. And he's been, you know, a poster boy for that city. And all these guys are the best Texans to ever play. And you throw Watson in that mix, man, I mean, there might be more fire here than we think. It might not just be smoke. And our buddy Mike Sando wrote an article yesterday, I guess it was, or Monday maybe, saying, hey, you know, this this looks like it will never happen. And it probably won't. But if if Watson does stand strong and he used the uh, Carson Palmer getting out of Cincinnati, you know, uh, analogy or, you know, example yeah. that if, if you're going to be that strong and say, Hey, I am not playing for you store end of story period. Even if it costs me millions of dollars, well, then you're going to get traded. And that's kind of the way this has to go. It feels like to me, I, I, I don't know why if you're the new GM, first of all, one of the big things that drew you to the job is probably because you have a young star, 25 year old quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. If you're Nick Casario and look, I don't know how much, Jack Easterby's involved or how much he will be involved. seems like everyone, he's like the punching bag for everyone right now with the Texans organization. <laughs> right, yeah. But it will be Nick Casario's job. And, and Easterby has said that he's not the he's not in charge of the, uh, the, the roster and things like that. So uh, if that's the case, then Nick Casario needs to get with uh, Deshaun Watson. And by the way, they have now requested to interview 
Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy too, which I think was one of the big ones that that they hadn't uh, done yet that maybe Deshaun Watson was upset about. And it's funny because um, I, I think we're seeing a lot of people connected to Deshaun Watson, probably that he's talking to behind the scenes that we're we're hearing a lot of leaks from. So and he's on vacation and he hasn't officially even asked for a trade yet. But it sounds like there's a lot of people talking and some of the stuff is probably pretty accurate. And for Deshaun Watson, if he really does want out, it probably would have to play out all the way until September, right? Not show up to training camp and prove he's playing hardball. Because right now, okay, you requested a trade, but let's talk about this. Let's figure this out. It's hard for me to imagine this gets figured out before draft day and before those trades could probably happen that teams would be really interested in in. And, and, and even before February, having an idea before free agency starts, because these teams need to plan what their teams are going to look like, not just Houston. This seems like it would be something if it actually went down this way, it would have to go all the way until September. And and Deshaun Watson have to prove that he is willing to to lose those paychecks, which, by the way, are taking a big jump up in the tax bracket this year. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, they obviously put a lot of faith in him financially. Um, but. If they told him you can be involved with the coaching search and then didn't let him, that's wrong. I mean, immediately, I, you know, I think myself and a lot of people said, this is just a spoiled athlete, you know, that says he wants to be in- involved with the coaching search. He's not LeBron. He's not Michael Jordan. It's not his job to pick, you know, who's going to be his coach. But if they told him he's going to be involved and he wasn't, well, then, you know, that's it's underhanded and that's not the way to do business. You're probably right on the the timetable of it. Unless they just really could sit down at the bargaining table and it's clear that they're he's not going to play and they want to, you know, and that they give up their stand before the draft. I mean, otherwise, like you said, you're not going to get picks out of them this year. You need it soon. I don't know. I, I mean, you're right. You, these things usually go into camp, missing game checks, and then it becomes real. But unless Watson can make it clear to him, hey, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Usually by now, I don't care if he's on vacation or not. I mean, he has internet and the phone wherever right. he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Let's he knows not pretend he hasn't texted on. anybody or something like that. Yeah, I mean, right. He, he, he mean, tweeted from vacation. He, he there, did you, The deleted tweet was, um, laugh, it was like, uh, LOL, same old. I, I can't remember exactly what the words were, but he tweeted as soon as Nick Casario was announced that he was going to be hired. And uh, he, he, he deleted that tweet, but he's definitely got some access to communication. And he hasn't come out and said, this is all garbage. I want to be a Texan. Like, usually that at least comes out. And he hasn't done that. So we'll see if he is able to convince the Texans organization to trade him. I have my doubts whether they would do that unless this really does draw out and get very long and ugly. But let's pretend that he does convey that message. And it happens before the draft. We have a question from A. Hendricks on Twitter. He said, would you trade Watson for Tua plus the Dolphins 2021 first round picks? And it would seem to me the Dolphins would have a leg up in any sort of trade for Deshaun Watson just because where they sit in the draft, which ironically they have Houston's pick at number three overall there. I mean, if you're the Texans, you're definitely not trying to trade Laramie Tunsil for Deshaun Watson. So like how much more? I would say that that's a starting point, but they have a young quarterback in Tua. They have a very high draft pick at number three. They have extra draft picks. And it would seem like a place that if you're Deshaun Watson, you're willing to trade your no trade clause or you're willing to give up your no trade clause to go play for a good team that's that's, uh, heading in the right trajectory. What do you think about that one, Dolphins and Deshaun Watson? 
there's a lot of teams that you could put together some packages that would make some sense, but this one is the most obvious. The team's going in the right direction. You would think Watson would want to go there, to your point. I mean, if you still assume that Tua has value, but he doesn't have the value of the fifth pick in the draft of him a year ago. I mean, this isn't a Burrow or Herbert situation, but still, Houston would have very little tied up in their quarterback room financially. They could go a year with Tua and judge from there and maybe add a veteran to that mix too, assuming they like him and don't think, boy, he's a bust. We want nothing to do with this guy. So we have to take that leap of faith that they're still into Tua, which I think teams should be. It's way too early to write him off, but he was far from spectacular. That number three pick has to be involved, of course. And you've mentioned this many times. That has a lot of value in terms of that could be a quarterback. That could trade into five other prominent picks over the next two years. And I definitely want that Dolphins, uh, where do they pick? Like 18, something in that neighborhood. 18, yep. Three and 18. And I'm not, okay. And I'm not sure that's enough. I mean, you can sit down with me at the table with that offer and we can go from there. But that's your opening bid. Right. Oh, yeah. Another another first, probably. And that's what's so difficult for other teams. If you're picking in the middle of the first round, that Dolphins number three pick, or if, let's say, uh, the Jaguars would, would probably be able to trump a lot of people, but they're not going to trade him within the division, maybe in the AFC, but not in the division. Maybe they want right. to uh, maybe they would not want to trade him in the AFC and it would be an NFC situation. I have my doubts there because you would want to get the most. I just think that kind of stuff is overblown. Me but too. when you consider the Jets and the the Dolphins at two and three, those picks are worth at least two and maybe more first rounders from a team in the middle of the first round. So they have a huge advantage in bargaining if they're willing to trade that. And if you're the Dolphins or if you're the Houston Texans and what you want is picks, then you could parlay those picks into even more first round picks and turn, you know, uh, uh, three picks into five first rounders eventually, like you just mentioned. So those two teams, I think Jets and Dolphins, if Watson was willing to go there and the Jets are willing to play ball and send them to the AFC, they would have a huge leg up in trade negotiations. Right. No, I I think so. I mean, like your Niners have been rumored, but they don't have an early enough pick. I mean, that might be Bosa in the first, you know what I mean? Like it it might have to be some kind of bird in the hand that's young on a first year contract that I know is a stud, you know, like I've heard things like, what if the lions want him?" I'm like, well, you'd have to move Stafford either to Houston or someone else and then take that pick plus your pick. And maybe Akuda or in Swift, you know, like a lot. I mean, all your valuable assets. And then Watson goes to Detroit and has a worse team than he has around him now. Right. And I've seen hypotheticals that are three firsts and three seconds, uh, two firsts, then two seconds, then two thirds. You know, it's that kind of a haul. It'd be a massive haul. And if you're competing against a team with a really high pick, then you're going to have to throw in maybe a star player. And look, we've never seen this. Have we, we've never seen a star quarterback, 25 years old, get traded for a very good reason, which is why the Houston Texans are probably not going to do this. They're not going to entertain it unless they really feel like they have to. At one, yeah. at some point, uh, Deshaun Watson would e- eventually even become the bad guy in some cases, not showing up you know, in September. So that's it just seems so unlikely to me. And then there's no trade clauses involved. And you mentioned the Lock and Fora story where he said, exec said maybe the 49ers make sense if Houston with the uh, the former New England Patriots brass really love Jimmy Garoppolo, so that could potentially be one. But the haul, it would take first-rounders, then you're asking for players, because it has to hurt, because it's going to hurt Houston to trade this type of player who we just don't see get traded in the NFL. It would have to hurt with the package you give up to get him back. 
Right. You know, like the Patriots would make a ton of sense. But what could they possibly give up? You know, this year's first and the next four years first, you know, like <laughs> and a, a mid-first like rounder. They don't have any players. You know, like players I want. Right. You yeah. know, Stidham doesn't carry any weight. Yeah. Bill Belichick's like, and you can take any player from the roster. And the Texans are like, I oh, will take the draft picks. No. Yeah, we don't want any of them. <laughs> All right, let's yeah. move on. Let's talk coaches. We've got a couple of defensive coordinator hires around the league. And potentially, who knows, maybe even today, we'll have a head coach hire in New York coming up. You are unique, and so are your taxes. The, the tax code is one of the most convoluted things. It's hard to keep up with changes year to year. So being able to navigate your personal tax situation easily and quickly is paramount for a lot of people. I know it is for me. And TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you, learn about your unique tax situations, and answer your questions. And on top of that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and want some reassurance from an expert that you're doing things right. Maybe you're now self-employed and need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live's tax experts can answer specific questions, walk you through the process, review your return before you file, or even do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that you're uniquely you. Taxes are done correctly. Intuit TurboTax Live. File with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. A couple of defensive coordinators are off the market, Matt. Dan Quinn, former Atlanta Falcons head coach, has signed in Dallas to be their defensive coordinator, replacing Mike Nolan. And Gus Bradley goes from L.A. Chargers to the Las Vegas Raiders and becomes John Gruden's defensive coordinators. Do you have any thoughts on those two uh, veteran D.C. hires? Uh, not a lot, but my hunch is as we record this noonish Eastern on Wednesday, that might be the damn breaking, you know, like. It's kind of like the quarterback carousel and the musical chairs that there's only so many DC jobs around. And a lot of these guys are linked to head coaching candidates and they need their guy to get hired for them to get a job. But it's a fine line to not being, you know, uh, one NFL defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator and having to go call somebody and say, Hey, can I be your linebackers coach for a year? Because I missed out, even though I'm overqualified, you know, or going to coach college team and, People forget there's families involved here and moving across country and all those things, but that just goes with the business. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence. I just think it's noteworthy. I don't think it's any kind of trend. But both these guys you mentioned got hired yesterday are Seattle cover three. You said veteran. I want to say maybe outdated, you know, <laughs> schematic coaches. Uh, that's so. So we've had a lot of conversations on the Locked On 49ers pod, and those two names really came up if Robert Sala gets a head coaching job. More notes on Robert Sala in a second. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of hesitant to say that those should be the top candidates because even though they've had success in the league, I think the pure cover three thing is going to start to go away. I think you have to be multiple on defense, and those two guys really run cover three heavy. And cover three is fine. It just can't be cover three all the time. If you know what a team's going to do, teams know how to – to tear that apart. And we even saw it in the Super Bowl. The 49ers ran uh, the most famous play uh, last season, uh, the Wasp by by uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs. The 49ers ran their cover three, which they run most of the time, even though they do a lot of different stuff more often, which is what I liked about Robert Sala is he started to mold that defense and change that defense more. And we've even seen it even more this year, a lot more cover two and cover four and, and different concepts, man and zone, and really mixing it up. And it makes... The job for the offense is more difficult. But in the Super Bowl, 
the Chiefs had this play that they knew they could try to use to beat the defense that the 49ers used most commonly, which was the cover three. And it was that wasp concept, and and it ended up being the biggest play in the Super Bowl and might have won them the Super Bowl. So teams just know how to attack that defense, and more and more teams run it. I just would shy away from those coordinators that run a scheme that was really good five years ago that everybody kind of knows how to beat now, and they better have a plan on how to disguise things a lot more than they have recently. And we've seen those defenses not play that well recently that they were still in charge of with their last teams. Yeah, that's really well said. And you laid it out on a previous show how Sala has not just been a strict cover three guy and a lot of adaptations this year. And no offense to those guys or the Legion of Boom teams, but it seems like those cover three guys, when when it's been strictly a, a Seattle-like defense, they have a really good defense when they have Earl Thomas and Sherman and Wagner. And, yes. you know, when, when <laughs> they're loaded with right. players. And when they're not, then they get exposed and allow a lot of catches to running backs. You know, the flats are often open. You know, Atlanta's been running the pretty strict cover three for years, and it's like well-known in the fantasy circles. Start your running backs against Atlanta because they're going to catch more passes than any other team. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's some – and you're right. I mean, offense coordinators – I don't know if our listeners realize how smart and advanced offensive coordinators are now compared to the history of football. I mean, they just tear up predictable coverages. Oh, it's crazy. And uh, and we're seeing the best defenses around the league are counteracting that and have chess pieces. We talk about the New Orleans Saints who have three or four different players. They're like, I don't even know what position they are. Like uh, Malcolm Jenkins, yeah, uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson. What position are those guys? Are they corners? Are they nickel? Are they safeties? Strong safety? De- like you have to have those chess pieces, I think, on both sides of the ball now. And that's the way. We're definitely going with things. And so if you're running, if I know what defense you're going to be running, me sitting here doing this podcast, Matt, then that means an offensive coordinator somewhere knows what you're running and knows exactly how they want to go out and beat it. And a lot of defenses can look very good. A lot of schemes can be awesome if you have bullets and you have Hall of Fame players littered throughout your roster. Uh, When you don't, though, things get a lot more difficult for those teams that are running strict cover three. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. We'll see how those hires turn out with those particular teams in Las Vegas and in Dallas, but the New York Jets might be honing in on their new head coach, another former Seattle assistant in Robert Sala coming from San Francisco to New York. He, by all accounts, was their top candidate. He is in New York. They flew him out to have his second interview yesterday. He's still there today, Wednesday, which tells me they might be talking contracts. So uh, I've seen a few reports here. Today, Connor Rogers had a report that that's their guy. They don't want to let him leave. Ian Rappaport was the one that broke it, that he's still there talking with New York. That tells me they're trying to uh, figure out some assistance and hire some people and, and maybe hammer out a contract. They don't want Robert Sala to leave. Adds up. I mean, he's been rumored to be, you know, or he's been a hot candidate now for a while. I'm sure he interviewed extremely well. And when you finally do sit down with him in person in your building and you you hear his plan, I could see the Jets just saying, yeah, we're not letting you leave. You know, we're, let's, let's hammer something out. Uh, we mentioned yesterday, you know, if people were asking about, you know, do you want a quarterback coach here or do you want a defensive-minded at this city? I don't care about all that stuff. I mean, if he's the leader that he looks like it is on the surface and he can hire the right people to get Darnold right or Fields or Wilson, you know, whoever it is going to be the quarterback, great. And, you know, if, if I'm hiring him, and he tells me, this is my quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator, and here's why, because of his work with quarterbacks. Boom, let's do it. 
You know what's interesting about the head coaching candidates this year is I feel like the list is bigger than usual and more teams are interviewing more guys. I, I feel like we would have seen some dominoes start to fall a little bit sooner, but I feel like the lists are bigger and it's all the same names on all the team's lists. Sala was either requested to interview or already has interviewed with every single team except for the Houston Texans. So almost every opening we're seeing a lot of the other same names, Joe Brady and um, Eric Bieniemy and Arthur Smith and a lot of the same candidates. Dayball. Yeah. Dayball. Yeah. yeah. For almost every single team, which is interesting. And, and we'll see which teams like which which head coach candidates in which interviews. But it uh, seems like the Jets are really zeroing in on Robert Sala, who most likely will take one of the other uh, pass game, run game coordinators from San Francisco to run the Shanahan scheme, which we talked about yesterday with one of the questions about that scheme in for the last five Super Bowls. That scheme has been uh, one of the offensive schemes run by the teams that made it to the Super Bowl. So that's another scheme that's around the league in the Shanahan a tree, which is growing so that could be by the time we talk tomorrow a done deal we'll find out if that happens for the new york jets and robert sala uh one other thing that actually has happened here the seahawks according to field yates have signed gm john schneider to an extension through the 2027 season or the the through the 2027 nfl draft and and that is odd how teams sometimes draft with one gm and then all of a sudden that gm is let go and a new gm starts just after the draft and I guess that makes sense for a draft cycle for a GM, but it's also, you know, like we saw with actually the New York Jets and that <laughs> Joe Douglas has been there for a while now, but he's only been involved with one draft. And uh, anyway, so John Schneider, what do you think? Did he earn a, a long-term contract there? He's had some really bad first rounders, but they're still a pretty good team and still a playoff team and still chugging along through 2027. John Schneider will be the Seahawks GM. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that in one second, but I'm not sure I've ever told the audience what you just laid out there. Like in the, the scouting GM personnel world, their calendar year is a lot different than coaches and players and whatnot. You know, like to give you an example, the the 365 days that I was employed by the Browns, I got hired the day after they drafted Kellen Winslow, and I got let go the day after we drafted Braylon Edwards. You know, so that's when all the coach, uh, that's when all the scouting and GM stuff moves. You know, and that makes perfect sense. You go through the draft and. Some people were let go before the draft. Don't get me wrong, but that was my contract. Um, who are we talking about again? <laughs> well, the, the, yeah. hold, hold on. Actually, before we get to the, that Seahawks, uh, John Schneider is who we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I actually yeah, have yeah. a question about that. It, did you leave with coaches? Did you leave with GMs? How did that get ushered in and out when you were hired? Well, <laughs> I was there 365 days and saw three head coaches in that time, which is amazing. Wow. I was hired by Butch Davis and his staff. He was let go. I think it was like week 10. So Terry Rubisky became the interim and black Monday Rubisky gets let go for Romeo. So, <laughs> and Phil Savage take, took over as GM and he was the top dog in the building as soon as the regular season ended. So, I sat there in the war room with Savage and Cornell and the the scouts that we had under Butch, all of us pretty much knowing that as soon as this draft is over, he's going to bring in his own guys. Like he brought in Daniel Jeremiah. I mean, it, I think he had my office actually, you know, like uh, he brought a bunch of people in from the Ravens, which oh, we knew was coming. Daniel Jeremiah, that sneaky son of a gun. Stealing your <laughs> office. It never overlapped with them. But I do remember, this to give you a kind of funny story, I was walking out of the building for the last time with a big box, all my crap going home and Romeo Cornell kind of stopped me. It just happened to bump in him in the hall. And he said, 
why'd they let you go? I thought you did a good job. Like he had no idea. That's, like, that's oh, crazy. Thanks, coach. See yeah. Yeah. So I guess he didn't have enough input. That, that's funny. We got to have Daniel Jeremiah on the show and you guys can talk about that because that's an amazing story. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he even knows that tidbit, but. All right, let's finish this up. Your questions. Urban Meyer potentially has a second team as a suitor and at least one candidate out of nowhere for the Philadelphia Eagles job next. NFL futures when it comes to the draft, when it comes to coaching hires, is one of my favorite things you can bet on at betonline.ag. Bet on who the Super Bowl winner will be. A national championship game already up for 2022. And the NHL season puck drops today. And you can get in on all the action at BetOnline. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Divisional playoff round action, game props, NBA season in full swing. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We got sidetracked on the John Schneider news. What do you think? Schneider through 2027? Yeah, I, like I mean, I guess. I mean, there is a little rumbling about Carol and, you know, that this regime has been there maybe too long and they haven't exactly embraced analytics. And the answer to the season ending was let's run the ball more. But that's not necessarily, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I think of them as a pair, but maybe I should stop thinking of them as a pair and one's going to be there for a while and maybe the other won't. They do things so differently there, though. Like they don't value their first round picks like most teams do. They never take who you and I and Todd and Mel would take, you know, in the first end of the first round every year, Collier and people like that. They trade their first round pick a lot. I don't know. I mean, I'm not super impressed with their team building. Yeah, I guess it's a working relationship, and it's an odd thing because they've signed him for longer than you can envision. Like, how long is Pete Carroll going to be around? He's not going to be around for six more years, right? I mean, I guess he could, but... The length of that contract kind of shocked me. Yeah, it's a that. long one, and you're right. Like, they're bad at using their first-rounders anyway, so you might as well trade him. So I kind of like the second yeah. part of that, uh, and, and he hasn't been amazing, but they've been good enough, to, and they have their star quarterback, and they've got some star receivers, and they've got some... You know, Bobby Wagner. So he's made some great draft picks and they're in the playoffs every year. So I guess don't change whatever recipe is, is working at the top for them and, and has them winning a, a lot of games for a long time. It's not but, like you could move on from them. Without question. It's been one of the most successful organizations this generation. And, you know, GM and coach pairing is about as good as we've seen in recent years. I mean, right there with Loomis and Peyton or the Ravens relationship or Steelers relationship. I, I don't mention the pa Patriots because it's always been all bill, but there is a little bit of Patriot luck here. I mean, when you get Dak in the fifth or Russell in the third or Tommy in the sixth, that helps. Yeah, that, that definitely helps <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, that helps a lot. And actually, the only quarterbacks in the playoffs this year that weren't drafted in the top 32 picks were Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. Brady. So that that yeah. definitely fixes a lot of ills on your team when you're able to get a superstar quarterback outside of round one or just get a superstar quarterback even if you spend the number one overall pick with them, which makes that Deshaun Watson trade seem uh, even more unlikely. By the way, you speaking about the Patriots way, so we're seeing another Patriots South again which they just went through that with Bill O'Brien. They're doing it again with Nick Casario, and we'll see who the head coach is in Houston. And 
one of the latest I saw is that the Eagles are going to interview Patriots inside linebackers coach Gerard Mayo, which would be which would feel kind of too soon for an inside linebackers coach. And especially when you're seeing the Belichick tree right now, Brian Flores. And uh, I mean, there's been a lot of bad hires or just that it doesn't always go that well. Hiring from that organization, Gerard Mayo, that that was a name I did not expect to see on the head coaching circuit. We talked about how many names are common throughout teams. That one is not. I wonder if that's just a let's find out what the secret sauce is in that building, more of an informational interview than we're actually going to hire this guy. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, he's, you know, he's a great player and he's only been a Patriot, basically. So he's been under wraps and maybe he's not as well known. And, you know, Bill doesn't let things sneak out of that building very much in terms of you know, who's really valuable and who isn't. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, they don't have a defensive coordinator in title, right? I mean, I think Mayo's had a lot of that responsibility. Same with Belichick's son. And of course, Bill's involved too. It's always so mysterious there. Yeah. And it was, it's uh, his son, Steve Belichick, right? Yes. Steve, yes. Yeah. Steve uh, with the mullet. He yeah. <laughs> apparently has been calling plays. So uh, he's, I guess, the quasi-defensive coordinator there, even though it's it's Bills, the defensive coordinator in title. So that's an interesting one. And I, and I guess uh, Steve Belichick's not one that is getting interviews. It's actually the inside linebackers coach in Gerard Mayo. So that's an interesting one. Um, I want to talk about one more head coach candidate interviewed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Urban Meyer. It's now rumored that he's going to interview with the Los Angeles Chargers as well. So if Urban Meyer, if this thing is actually real and he wants to be in the NFL, he's going to be a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, just because I know how these things go, did Urban Meyer leak to Schefter or whoever that, hey, the Chargers are interested just so the Jags yeah. put the offer on the table and they <laughs> right. can get it done. That's you know a good I mean? one. That's a great point, actually. Because uh, it's been rumored that that's going to happen either way. He hasn't been linked to any other team. Maybe he gets us talking about it. So, you know, Mr. Khan sends him the offer and, you know, put the pen to paper. I have no problem with Urban Meyer. Uh, and actually, Daniel Jeremiah, to quote him again, he, he thought it could be a Jimmy Johnson from the U to Dallas situation with Jacksonville because they're so young and they have so many picks. But from what I understand about Meyer is he is a tremendous culture builder. And that goes back to winning it. Where, where he, he was at Toledo. I mean, I forget the schools he was at before Florida yeah. and Ohio U- State. Utah. But he won there big. Yeah, he coached Utah, at, right, Alex Smith. Alex he got Smith. Alex Smith the number one overall pick uh, in Utah. And he was only there for a couple of years. And, and they were winners. So, yeah, uh, it's it's been... He's been a winner wherever he's gone on the college circuit. The NFL's a different beast, so we'll see how that goes if he ends up. And I hope he gets hired in Jacksonville. Uh, first of all, I think that would be the the biggest shakeup, the biggest name hire that the Jaguars could pull off. And, I, and I'm interested to see Meyer in the NFL. And that could be the one recall that makes the draft really fun if Urban Meyer likes Josh Fields as much as yeah. he likes Trevor Lawrence. Could we see that change at the top, which would be really fascinating. So we just make us make our job more fun. Right. Oh, that would be nuts. I mean, um, last thing about Meyer, though. I mean, a, a great culture builder, which is exactly what they need there. But I also have heard his greatest strength other than that is he's a tremendous recruiter, which doesn't do as much good. In the, yeah, in the I league. guess in free agency, it can help and it can you can recruit oh, some well, coaches. But yeah, yeah that's uh, that's not going to help your roster building at all. And we've seen that a lot with college coaches to the NFL. It's like, oh, we don't have all of the best players from all the best states. OK, this, this is going to be more difficult than I thought. 
I'll get one pick in the first round. Right. <laughs> right yeah. Um, <laughs> from me with two E's on Twitter, he says, analysts say the Chargers roster is loaded, but I disagree. They have some top talent, but a lot of inconsistent and aging players. How do you see this roster? What do you think? Uh, and let's say Urban Meyer does get that job with the Chargers instead. What direction do you go? You got a star quarterback. We talked about how a star quarterback can fix a lot of ills on your roster, but um, you've, one of their best players on defense has, uh, I don't know what that injury uh, is going to do with Derwin James and, and what kind of player he's going to turn out to be now. They do have some really good players that are on the older side, so he does have a point here. What do you think about that roster in Los Angeles? You and I didn't talk about this, but it's funny because Ryan McDowell and I we're doing a series on Locked On Dynasty where we just pick a team and it's all fantasy related and we break them down for a segment. Who should we buy in the dynasty world? Th- those type of things. We did the Chargers last night and basically looked at the offense only thinking, wow, there's a lot to like here. You know, that there's a lot of young assets, that there's a lot of talent. The offensive line might add another addition. I kind of see where this this tweeter is going, you know, that, uh, the middle class of that roster isn't tremendous, but I still think I'm on the side of this is a really good roster. I mean, Ingram, Bosa, Derwin, uh, your last two first round picks have been on that side of the ball with the exception of Herbert, you know, Murray and uh, Tillery and secondary has some pieces. I like the firepower. The good young quarterback is obviously the, the huge thing. I, I would say it's the, eighth the 12th best roster in the league right now with assets to get better there is enough there to win now you can fill in some some blanks right uh, offensive line needs some work and uh, they still need some help on the defensive side of the ball but uh it, yeah as far as rosters go it's it's a lot better than some of the open jobs at least for for head coach jobs and you have a star quarterback so i would take that over a lot of jobs in the nfl and a lot of rosters in the nfl even though some of their best players are a little bit older but um it, and I get where he's coming from, but I don't know if it's overblown. I mean, there's a lot to like there. And I think that team could turn around quickly if they get the right coach. And he mentioned the word inconsistency. I think the right coach might get rid of some of those inconsistencies. That's a good point. Yeah. Why is there an inconsistency? Can that be fixed with the head coaching? Because there's 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 enough talent on that roster for them to have. Uh, and they're in a lot of games, too. But they end up losing the close ones, which is one of the big right. things where you point to is like, OK, this team could have been a 10 win team the last couple seasons. And they weren't. Why is that? And I, I don't necessarily think it's strictly because of the roster. And in, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. Right, right. No, I, I think there's not to say a sleeping giant, but they could be a playoff type team if they get the right coach and culture and you know things in place. Some of these hires are going to start falling pretty quickly, I think, here, Matt, and we will have them covered for you as we cover the entire league daily. All the storylines, draft, we're going to look at the divisional round of the playoffs for the rest of the week here coming up on the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show.